Welcome to the Mind Design Sports Podcast. I'm Brandon, and in each episode, I'll be talking about sports psychology with the guest speaker. If you want to design your sports experience, you've come to the right place. If you want more tips and insights on how to improve your sports performance mentally, check out our website and other podcasts at mind-designsports.org. Hey everyone, today I have Denise Boa, a counseling psychologist who specializes in sports psychology here with me. Through the years um, and her studies, she has focused on habits, values, and mindfulness of athletes, as well as chess as a therapeutic tool as part of alcohol and drug rehabilitation. Participating in various chess tournaments and in the field of sports, she values hard work while maintaining a balanced lifestyle. She's also written a book about sports psychology for children, which we'll, we'll touch on today. Thanks for joining us, Denise. Thank you, Brandon, for having me. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on about yourself? Um, well, I think you've summed it up uh, quite nicely. Um, I'm a competitive chess player. I've been playing chess for South Africa since 1998 internationally, and I'm still playing. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm quite competitive. I enjoy the work um, that I do with sports psychology. And um, yeah, that's basically what I'm about. So you've been playing chess for so many years. What are some lessons that you've learned that can be applicable to sports and sports psychology from chess? Because people really don't think it's a sport per se, but rather like a game. But I think some people do think it's a sport and I think there's many valuable lessons. So are there any? Yes, I think, um, you know, mostly when people think about chess, I think it's just a, a mental game. Um, but there's so much more to chess um, because you need to be physically fit as well because some of the games can last for hours um, sometimes you know I've had games lasting for up to six hours uh, at a time and sometimes the tournaments also go um, you know up to one two weeks at a stretch and I think chess has taught me to be disciplined because you spend a lot of hours um, by yourself training uh, you need to self-motivate uh, you need to know how to focus and, um, you know, chess is one of those sports where you, where you lose one game and within half an hour, sometimes an hour, you need to play your next game. So it's not like you have a whole day to recover from a loss. You have to be able to recover from a loss very quickly. And I think that's one of the, the, the important skills that I've learned um, through the years of playing chess is to be able to move on quickly after I've experienced a, a disappointment or a loss of, of some sort. So you need to pick yourself up and and continue quite quickly. Interesting. Did you have any unique pre-game routines that would get you geared up for the competition and help relieve stress? Yes, I do. Um, you know, it, it, it also have it has evolved through the years as well. I think the more important the, the game becomes to you, um, the more important also your mental skills uh, becomes. And I've, I have a few routines that I have for myself uh, when I plan a, a long tournament that's important to me, like the national championship or uh, the World Chess Olympiad. I see to that I get into routine right from day one and I follow that routine. So that will mean I exercise in the morning. I eat a breakfast at roughly the same time. I prepare for a few hours for my game. Then I eat lunch. I take a nap and then I do some last minute checking and preparations. And if I'm playing in a home venue, then I drive to the venue or then travel to the venue. Um, I also have the habit of visiting the venue about a week before I actually play in the national championship. And I do that because it helps me to visualize the event as well. 
And then on the day when I actually arrive at the event for the first round, I'm not overwhelmed with different things as to figuring out where's the bathroom, uh, it's cold and I don't have a jacket, um, you know, where do I sit? I know exactly what everything looks like the day when I walk in there because I saw it a week before and I know exactly what to expect. So I think that for me is is quite important. I think the, the habit of visualizing um, what you are going to step into as a, as a competitor is quite important because it it helps you to prepare mentally for what's ahead. Absolutely, yeah. Visualization is definitely a sports psychology tactic that's super important. Um, let's just move. Let's just talk about your book for a bit. So, talk to us about your book. What do you, what do you write about? Um, some key takeaways and really what inspired you to write about it? Yes, the book is a, is a first um, for our country as well. Um, it's called Sports Psychology for Children, and it is a it is a it is a picture book with ten different stories, and it explains mental concepts in a in a fun way. So the animals are all, the characters are all animals and children get to relate to the animals and learn um, from their experiences um, practicing their own sport sports. Um, so I've covered a few different um, sporting codes, different topics as well. Um, things that I've considered to be quite important to know as an athlete and especially a young athlete. And, um, you know, I'm looking at topics such as how to focus, um, leadership in, in um, sport, and then also how to, to control anxiety, um, what are good values to have in sport as well, how to set your goals and um, how to recover from a loss. Because I think for children that is quite important because they can become disheartened so quickly. Um, you know, so I've, I'm coaching uh, chess as well and at the beginning of the year, especially with the little ones, those five-year-olds, uh, when they lose it is traumatic and they cry sometimes. and then it's to teach them, but you know, sport is supposed to be fun. And there are things that we can do uh, to recover from that loss quite quickly. And then we move on with life. So um, it's a 214 page A4 size book. And, and my aim with that book is to empower as many children as I can from a young, young age already to learn about the mental concepts and mental skills that are important to have a good and successful career in sport. Nice. From a South African background, how did that knowledge um, influence you in the book? Was it shaped towards South African younger athletes or just athletes in general? Uh, I've I've had young athletes in general in mind. Uh, it's not just for the specifically for the South African child because I think children uh, across the globe uh, encounter you know roughly the same um, mental blocks sometimes. You know every child doesn't matter where they live will lose a game and they need to deal with that. And the difference comes in terms of your family setup or the school setup that you are in. That's where it will, will start to differ from children in terms of where they live, also the cultural background. But in generally, I've had uh, children across, uh, you know, over the world in, in mind when I wrote the book. I'm just looking at the book right now on the cover and there's 10 stories and they all seem pretty interesting with cool titles. Like, can you talk to us about one of the stories, maybe like, down in the dumps bob or linden the leader or disciplined rugby rufus <laughs> yes i will actually tell you a little bit about rugby rufus and um that story i find actually to be very important for the children as well because i introduce also a couple of concepts related to academics um 
because I've, I've worked at a school for quite a, a couple of years helping children with study methods. And I thought that's a, something appropriate to include in, in a sports psychology book because children, even though they participate in sport, also need to, to function on the academic level as well. And that story is about Rufus um, not managing his time very well. So he would sometimes pitch late for rugby practice. Um, sometimes not do so well in school because he's more in the rugby field than, than doing his schoolwork. And so it deals with those topics and it helps to, for, it helps to make children realize that you actually need to maintain a balance in your life. That there's a time for everything. There's time that you have to spend with your friends, with your family, schoolwork, doing chores at home. You can't leave that for anybody else to do. And it's just taking a little bit of responsibility for the decisions that you make. So Rugby Rufus uh, teaches children about um, the importance of striking a balance uh, in the performance zone, as well as things that you do at home and also the academic world. Keeping a balance, that's interesting because I know you won the Vice Chancellor's Award for your balanced lifestyle while studying. So what does it look like to have a balanced lifestyle and how can one achieve that? Yes, I think, um, you know, winning that Vice Chancellor's Award uh, is probably the, the reward that the award that I uh, value the most of all the trophies I have. Um, and because it's an award that I got for being the maintaining the best results academically and sport wise um, at the University of Pretoria in a given year. And I think it's important to strike a balance because otherwise you you become lopsided in life because if you perform the whole time and you're, and you're just practicing to perform, I mean, it drains your energy and you need to recuperate somewhere along the line. And that's why it's important to also make time for fun stuff. Um, you can't just invest yourself in one aspect of your life. Um, but I think that's where time management comes in very handy. And that's a skill that we can all learn because we all get the same amount of hours in the day. And that is one of the things that I also illustrate in the book in that discipline rugby rufus uh, story but also in the chapter that's about habits and why it's important to incorporate habits into our lives that that propels us forward and not that hold us back so i think um yes that award actually made me realize that without knowing it i actually maintained a good balance and sorted that i spent enough time and effort in different areas of my life so it's important got it so why did you choose animals for your example stories? Like, why didn't you just choose a younger athlete? And was there deeper meaning behind that? Yeah. You know, as a child myself, I, I loved animal characters. So that's one of the main reasons. And the second reason is I had three huge dogs here at home, um, South African Burbul. And I used to look at these three dogs while I was doing my PhD. And then I thought, you know, these you three would look fantastic in a book one day. And all three of those dogs actually became characters in this book uh, that I wrote. And, um, you know, I think animal characters also speaks to a child's imagination and their creativity. Um, I also didn't want there to be a cultural barrier for children to relate to the characters. And I also think that animals are neutral and they don't they don't they don't create a specific bias and i think therefore it gives children the chance to relate to the traits of the characters before they actually judge the character uh, based on the character being either black or white asian indian etc so i think you know um i tried to use 
animal characters are represented different body types, so children <laughs> do not feel excluded. But you know, at the end of the day, Brandon, it's very difficult to cater for everyone in a single book. But I think through using the animals and humanizing them, you know, I think it, it was a it was a good attempt to just appeal to that creative, imaginary side of a child. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely geared towards the younger population. I could see from that. And yeah. um, like you said, you have to, as a chess player, you have to deal with loss quickly and move on. So is there a mental technique to do that? Or maybe do you explain that in your book with um, the example of Bob? Yes, um, Bob learns from Dr. Frick, who's a sports psychologist in the book. And by the way, she's a zebra. Um, I loved zebra, so I, I chose the sports psychologist to be a zebra. And she gives him advice and she gives him some techniques as to how to deal with the loss that he experienced. And some of it is ba are based on things that I found useful throughout my career as an athlete. Um, you know, so when I wrote the book, I, I didn't just keep my hat on as an author, but I actually put that hat on as a psychologist, a researcher, and also as an athlete. Um, because I think as athletes, we experience things firsthand and you quickly learn what works and what does not work. Um, sometimes that, you know, somebody can give you a clear cut academic answer as to how to deal with a loss. But when you find yourself in that situation, most of the times it's so emotionally um, loaded that you have to be able to sift through that to actually deal with the loss at the end of the day. And um, an academic answer can't, can't give you that. So I wanted to provide practical tips and advice. Um, and in, in Bob's case, um, he actually was so down in the dumps. And then his friend came along and said, no, but he's learned some good skills and techniques from Dr. Frick. And he thinks it's worth a visit. And through that, I also want to educate the children that going to see a sports psychologist is not a bad thing. There's a stigma around seeing a psychologist. Um, especially here in South Africa that we've experienced and it's to show the children also but you know you get some good advice as well so so go and and talk about your feelings hear what somebody has to say uh, because sometimes they can come up with sound advice and I think you know as as children I think it's important for us to teach them to take meaning from a loss as well you know um, sometimes they and as as adults we attach our own meaning to the results that we achieve and we are not our results uh, the results are just something it's a consequence of what we did or did right or did not do right so i think we need to take the lesson from that and that's what uh, dr frick was uh, teaching bob um, because she she spoke to him about um what exactly went wrong let's go through it uh, let's identify uh, what did not work and what did work because that's important for um analysis after any any competition is to have an assessment afterwards. So she introduced that concept to him as well. Interesting. Mm -hmm. If you were to have one takeaway from the whole book, like maybe one or two sentences, um, the most important piece of advice or tips in there, what would it be? Sure, there's so many. I think um, what's close to my heart is is actually the last chapter and it's, that's actually about picking yourself up when things do not go your way. Because I think nowadays in society, it doesn't matter what you do, if it, even if it's work-related, it's relationship-related, sport-related, we all encounter failure. We all encounter situations where things did not go the way we intended them to go. And I think then it's important for us to, 
to have a moment and it's and it's important to also feel the emotion that came with that loss you know we can't just put things under the carpet and hope they will go away so i think for me the most important thing is uh, given that you have good habits and values and you can focus and if you have all of that but you can't deal with a loss then you're going to struggle so i think it's important to teach children to be brave and to pick themselves up afterwards and say but you know i can try again and i'm going to try again and um, i think that's probably the most important thing and that's i ended the book with that story as well um, that children can take that away as a as a last thought definitely let's move on to you your career and chess specifically so what was your reason for playing chess for so long like what interests you about it what motivates you to play it uh, yes i think chess has different facets to it uh, i love the opportunity that it presents myself to travel i got to know so many people throughout the years and i think that's one of the aspects i love the most uh, i would normally find out where's the next world chess olympiad and if it's a country i've never been to and i really want to visit then i will practice so hard uh, because i want to be in that team and i want to go visit that country so it's always been a, um, a factor for me that I keep in mind. But I'm also quite competitive. Uh, I like to be competitive. And so I like the competitive nature of chess. I can sit for hours quietly by myself and compete with somebody on the board mentally. And uh, I love that fact about chess. I can solve problems while I'm sitting there. I can be creative. I can think up things. Um, uh, combinations yes sometimes they don't work but sometimes they do and then it's wonderful so um i can't get bored of playing chess there's so it's too intriguing this there's, there's so many combinations so many good moves to find so i think it's um it's always been rewarding for me to create a nice position or to play a really good game and talk about the game with somebody else afterwards and I love the social aspect of it as well. I think you become part of a chess family. And I mean, you can go to any country in the world and go to the, the nearest chess club and, and they will accept you and make you part of that chess family there as well. So I think I really like that aspect of it. And I think the, the thing I also like about chess is that you can I can outwork someone. So if I don't work hard, then then I will lose. And that will be on me. So it gives a different kind of responsibility that if you want good results, you need to knuckle down and work for it. So yeah, there's a lot of things about chess that I like and um, it keeps you going. Yeah, it sounds really good and good for your mentality. So what's the day in the life of a competitive chess player? Like how does a chess player actually become better? So for example, like if you're a basketball player, you're going to get into the weight room and get shots up. So how does a chess player better themselves? There's quite a different things you need to do. Um, you know, one of the most important things to do is actually to work on your own games. And that is the hard slog of it. Uh, I personally do not like that. So whenever you played a game, you come home and you take that game and you analyze it and you see where did you go wrong. Even if you've won the game, could you have won it easier? Could you have played a better move somewhere? And that takes time because um, it's something you need to do um, with a pen and paper and you play those moves on a board. I think nowadays people like to do that on a computer so it goes quicker. But then you also have that risk of um, uh, checking on the computer for moves instead of, th of um, coming up with it yourself. So you can do it on a computer, but then you just have to, to be wary that you don't become lazy and just, just check quickly what the computer sees and what you missed. 
So I think that's an important part. And then obviously there's different aspects to a chess game. You need to know your openings, the way that you start a game, um, check where you went wrong. You need to practice your end games. That is a lot of theory you have to learn. You have to remember the concepts. And then also there's middle game training, um, analysis studies. There's a lot of things that you can do, but it's also important to work with a coach that can give you some guidance. So there's a lot of things you can do, but at the end of the day, you need to practice chess every single day. And if you want to be a really good player, I'd say you need to do it at least two to three hours a day. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, that's a commitment. And that's what it takes to really be good. So I definitely know where you're coming from. How yeah. important is it for a chess player to maintain a good nutritional diet? Like, is, isn't chess where you sit and it's not as physically demanding as football or basketball? Does a competitive chess player take good care of his or her body through the food they eat? Or is that not as important? I think diet is very important as a chess player because um, it's a brain activity as well. So you need to feed your brain. Um, you can't have a sugar overload. Uh, I think it's important to snack on nuts and things like that when you play, to drink enough water um, so that you don't become dehydrated. And I think if you also during a chess tournament, I found a lot of the, the really good chess players don't drink, consume alcohol uh, during a tournament. Um, the idea is to keep your brain as sharp as possible and also to keep your body energized. Uh, you don't want to have a tired brain and, a, and an energized body. Then, you, then you're going to struggle to sleep at night. So it's important to be balanced in terms of that and to exercise as well. Exercise is a really important part of training for a chess player. So it's important to eat to eat healthy and um, because you do not want to dip in your energy levels as you play through a game. Um, after your th second or third hour in a game, you need to still maintain um, that same energy level that you started with. Absolutely. What impact do you hope to make in your community to help athletes who might be held back from unleashing their potential by psychological factors? You know, I think um, with a book, I'm trying to reach a population that that usually will not have access to sports psychology training. Um, normally, what my my experience has been that children are dependent on coaches or teachers at school to to learn about sports psychology principles, um, absorb that, and then teach the child in a child friendly manner. And not everybody does that. Sadly, so. So my hope is to have a book like this available in every single library in the country where any child, regardless of their socioeconomic status, can have access to that book if they just go to the library and they can sit and they can read. Um, that is the main thing that I'm, that I'm interested in at the moment, is to get sports psychology into the hands of every single child that I can, that I can um, so that they do not um, have to wait for somebody to teach them that or that they do not have to end up being a, an a adult athlete. And then at age 25, 30, suddenly they have to learn how to cope with a severe loss in terms of their sport career or injury or anything like that. It must be something that they learn as a child already. And then they build on that mental repertoire that they have. That, that for me is the main important, the main thing. Yeah, that is very important. My last question about you would be, I know we touched on this a little bit in the intro, but I know you have a master's thesis using chess as a therapeutic tool for assisting in the treatment of substance abuse. How does that work? What's the connection there? I had to choose a topic for my master's degree when I was studying psychology, and I was uh, well very active in chess at that time. 
And I thought I want to do something with chess. And I was doing some practical hours at a um, rehab center, alcohol and drug rehab center. And I thought, you know, let's see if we can't combine the two. And so I used chess as, as a um, therapeutic tool. And what I did was I, I had participants that could not play chess. So I taught them how to play. And then we used the pieces as metaphors for things in their own lives. So say, for example, they had to pack, use the pieces in the chessboard, but then pack a position that relates to their, to their life or to their situation in life. And then we would discuss that. So the king would mean something, the rook would mean something, and it would be actually a very metaphorical uh, exercise to do. And then they would also play a bit. So I taught them how to play so they can play. So it, it actually gave an avenue to discuss situations that they would normally not be comfortable discussing because they actually could relate that to chess pieces on a chessboard. And uh, one of the participants came to me afterwards and she said, you know, I thought chess was just for clever people. And she didn't think that she was clever in her words. And she could play it. And so it, it boosted her uh, self-confidence so much and it's so good to see that so it it meant different things to different people but the main important thing was actually for them to be able to talk about things in their lives that they um, could relate to the chessboard um, and that was very interesting wow that's very creative i like that how has chess made you a better person um in general and how can young chess players use chess to better themselves just in the real world in general yeah. I think chess is one of the most amazing sporting codes out there. It's such a diverse sport that does not discriminate. Um, I think I've learned to respect people through chess because I would I could play against a, a 70 year old person and then the next round I'll be playing against an eight year old boy. <laughs> and so it doesn't discriminate against age and culture. Um, you know, you could play anybody and for that moment when you play you are just playing against another chess player so i think really chess helps you to see people for people um and not look at their gender and uh, be biased towards their culture um, because at the end of the day um after your game you sit and you discuss your game and you discuss ideas and and i think that's a lovely part of chess and i think that is what it helped me with a lot um is to just respect every single person that you come across because everybody has a skill and everybody has a dream in life and we can't just ignore that fact and once you start talking to somebody you get to know them as well and chess creates that avenue and so I, I really like that about chess and I think the other thing chess teaches children especially is that it, it teaches you to lose um, you must be able to sit at a, at a chessboard. When you lose, you congratulate your opponent afterwards. That's seen as good manners at a chessboard. Uh, you don't just get up and walk off, but you you actually get to learn from a young age already that you know you when you lose, you lose with dignity, and um, you shake your opponent's hand, you say well well played, and you have a, a nice chat afterwards. So I think um, that's probably the two most important things that I've gathered and gained from chess as a as an individual yeah i think a lot of younger children don't really think losing is good but it really builds their character and their competitiveness like you said yeah. um through your chess life 
you've probably went through a bunch of challenges. How did you deal with them? Maybe do you have a, a story that is pretty vivid to you that you could talk about? Yes, I think with such a long sport career, you go, you're bound to, to come across a couple of challenges. And um, I think one of the, the challenges that actually sticks out for me is, is actually one that came in one in my early careers as a, as a uh, international athlete. And that was in 2004. And I actually, at that time, uh, I was, I was um, involved in the management uh, team of the university sport uh, chess team. So I was, uh, um, I was on the board and we had a meeting and I drove home one, one night and I just found myself in a, in a not so good situation at one of the traffic lights. I was driving home late at night on my own. And unbeknown to myself, that actually had a huge, huge impact on me. And a few months later, I actually played in the, in the national championship. And just at the board, just did not feel well at all. Went to the bathroom, I actually had a panic attack. And um, afterwards, actually went, I went to, and I realized as a psychology student, this is important to deal with as an athlete. And I went to see a psychologist and then we actually realized that that, that single event actually had an impact on me as an athlete that I wasn't even related. And um, so there, there I learned to deal with anxiety. And so today when I sit with athletes who deal with anxiety, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to be anxious and to travel somewhere. You're already anxious about your event, but now there's other external things as well that you need to deal with as a, as just a normal person that's not even doing, you know, that's apart from your sport, if I can put it that way. So I think um, from that day, I, I always had in the back of my mind that anxiety can creep up on you as an athlete so quickly. So you need to check the situation and the circumstances of your everyday life that there are not things there that can flow over into your career as, as an athlete because sometimes it just takes one small trigger and something just comes to the fore and it might be something that you didn't even think could have an impact on you. So I think it's important to deal with our emotions as athletes and to deal with situations so that it does not catch us off guard. Um, I think it, that created awareness in me in terms of that. So ever since whenever there's been something in my life happening, I would always ask myself, you know, how, how, what impact does this have really on me? Not just put it under the carpet, but deal with it so that you can move on from that. So I think that's a very important thing for athletes. Yeah, that is really valuable. And I know you talked about panic a bit and you had a panic attack. So I know panic is a major problem that diminishes one's confidence um, in chess. And what causes that panic? And how can you attack that and not be so tense and anxious when you feel that way? Yes, I think um, we need to understand panic and we need to understand where it comes from. And I think that's why it's important for, for us to know ourselves as athletes. You know, you need to know what, what triggers you have. And, um, you know, it, it, it can, I think it's, it's, it's a lot related to pressure. Um, because you, when you feel under pressure, it opens up avenues for you to feel things that you normally wouldn't feel. And I think anxiety is one of those. Um, you can feel stressed quite easily as well. And if you're anxious, it can lead to panic because uh, you, you lose touch of, 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 the, of the reality for, for that moment and that can, can flow over into other things. And as a psychologist, and I think for athletes that 
work with mental um, uh, skills professionals will have the ability to notice when there's a slight sense of panic in them so that they can stop that from going into a full-blown panic attack. I think that is important for athletes that really struggle with anxiety and stress as well. And I think what helped me always was always to think that any, you know, you get pressure situations and you get pressure reactions. And, you know, even if you are in a situation that you feel, you know, it has a potential to make you panic, you also need to be aware that you have the, you are in control of how you're going to react to that. And I think that's where it's important to ground yourself in where you are at. And that's why mindfulness is so important as well. So, um, you know, every individual athlete responds to panic and pressure in his own way. Um, But at the end of the day, you need to have some coping strategies in place for when you are feeling distracted and when you are feeling tired, when you are feeling overwhelmed. Because we are at the end of the day only humans and we do experience those feelings. So it's important to, to have those coping strategies in place. And if you do not have any of those, speak to somebody, learn from other athletes and hear what they are doing. And you try them out and see what works for you. Yeah, everyone is different. And definitely finding your best coping habit or whatever is best. And what would be your biggest tip or advice for aspiring chess players since you have so much experience and wisdom that you can share? It will be to to work hard <laughs> and keep working hard. Um, sometimes when you sit alone at night behind your board, chessboard or in front of your laptop those are the hours that sometimes you ask yourself why am I doing this you know because other people are watching tv they're out partying with their friends or whatever they are doing and you are doing chess in the hours after you came from work or um, coming from university it takes a lot out of you um, but you if it's important to you you need to keep going at it and not grow weary of it um I always had this, um, when I was still at school, the one uh, science teacher gave us this little note before the exam, and it's, it read, um, it was now in Afrikaans, my, my la- native language, but it said, uh, work hard and work without getting tired. <laughs> I always thought that you get tired when you work hard, but I, I always stuck that in front of my chessboard, and I thought, when I get tired, I'm just going to keep working. Um, work without getting tired and because you know what you want to achieve at the end of the day and if you've set that goal you need to work for it yeah working hard is definitely one of the most important things because without hard work you're not going to get anywhere and really when you just outwork your opponents um, benefits will arise naturally let's talk about performance Um, most children usually study and do sports simultaneously and it happens that most of the sport Sporty children usually do not perform extremely well. Um, so as a psychologist, how would you help these children handle their sports as well as academics? I think it's to instill in children that academics are important. Um, and what you've learned in sport, you can also apply in your academic work, in your academic life. Uh, for example, um, to be a good sports person, you need to be disciplined. You need to be focused. Those are things that you can apply in your academic life as well. Uh, sometimes children they try hard at, say, for example, a maths problem and they don't get it right. So they just leave it. No, we'll leave it till tomorrow and see what the teacher says. or I'll write it down from a friend. But in sport, you can't do that. You have to um, exercise that skill to get it right. 
And that is something that sport can teach children as well. So for me, it would be important to teach that child that's so good in sport and ask him, but you're so good in this, what can you learn from this and apply it into your academic world as well? Um, you know, can you look for somebody that can help you? You know, in, in sport, you'll have a coach or a mentor who can help you with your, with your schoolwork. Look at the time management, set small goals, especially if a child is struggling with academics. Uh, you, you can't have a big goal at the end of the day. Now I'm going to get an 80% for a test if you've been struggling just to get 30%. So you're going to look for the small incremental um, uh, uh, progression over time. And that's what you're going to do in sport as well. You've got to practice the skills and at the end of the day, it all fits together. So I think that's important. Um, the skills overlap that you use in sport and because acad your academic life is also a performance zone. So you can apply the skills in both. Yeah, so many sports psychology techniques can be used in academic life and other stressful situations. And like you said, like breaking it up is super helpful because sometimes it can be overwhelming to make a big jump or a big goal. But when you split it up, it becomes, it becomes more reasonable and manageable to do. My next question would be about Usually when people play chess, they'll hear from people like, oh, chess isn't a sport. It's not a real thing. Like, how would you tell those younger athletes to block it out? <laughs> yes, that's something I grew up with as well. And uh, um, actually, chess gives you such a huge adrenaline rush um, that you actually, um, they've researched that once and said it's a, a second highest adrenaline rush next to Formula One racing that you get while playing chess. Um, because when you sit at the board, you're also playing with, with, with time and you play against time. So when you sit there and your last seconds are running out, um, you, need to, you need to think so fast and your heartbeat just, it, your heart just races. Um, so I always think it's useful to explain to the younger chess players the physical things that happens in chess. And it's actually, it's not just you playing a little game, it, there's more to it. And I think it's good for them to understand that as well and have pride in in the activity that they chose to to participate in every everything is not for everybody and i think that's important to instill that in children as well so yes you will have somebody that's really really good in soccer or in rugby great cricket player but they won't necessarily be a good chess player and vice versa and that's okay so children need to learn that whatever activity they're good in that's great so don't compare um what you know, the facts say that chess is a sport. So um, it, it, know the facts around that. And then you can also teach other children about what chess is about. Say to them, let me tell you about chess. And um, in that way, you also enlighten and say, you know, would you like to play a game of chess with me? And you also involve other, you know, other sporting codes into chess as well. I, I remember playing at the All African Games in 2003. We were playing in Nigeria and some of the the um, field athletes came over to, to our to the chess our chess flat that we had and they came to play chess most days because they said it's just something different for them and they just love hanging out with the chess players so um, it it helps you to also build relationships with people in, in other sporting codes by just inviting them to have a game sometimes mm -hmm. what are the differences in sports or sports psychology mentality in between Africa versus the United States, um, is there like a big difference or are there a lot of similarities? Yeah, if you could expand on that, that would be cool to see and get a different perspective. Uh, Brandon, I think there's a huge difference. Um, you know, as an athlete that's been playing internationally for, what, 20, 
20 odd years now, I've had two encounters with a sports psychologist. Two. Um, and I don't think we take it serious enough. You know, um, it's, I think as sports psychologist, I, I, I attended the, a conference in Botswana um, in, in 2018, and I've met two um, sports psychologists from the States. I can't remember the, the, the names now. And I was fascinated just to listen to them and all the work that they are doing in, in, in America. And I was thinking about myself, why are we struggling so much? Um, you know, I spoke to a friend of mine, he studied sports psychology with me and he said, he made a comment to me one day and he said, you know, he spoke to one of his um, athletes, to one of the parents, and she said to him, you know what, if I have to choose between taking my son to see a sports psychologist or for another session at the physio, I'm going to take him to the physio, um, even if he doesn't need it at that exact time. So it, I think we, that's why I, I decided to also do this, the, the book for the, for the children, because we need to start inculcating a, a sense of importance for mental skills development in sport, because we need to carry that through as adult athletes, um, so that we know it's important that one day when a lot of the athletes also step into management positions later on, and if they have been um, exposed to mental skills development since a young age, they're going to understand the, the importance of it, so that they invest in services like that, because we do not do the investment. Um, from my own experience here, when I normally get roped in towards, you know, when there's a crisis in it, when a team is facing a crisis, it's, it's, it's very rare that you actually find that you will walk a road with a team from the beginning of the season throughout to the end. Uh, I think there's some, some of our major rugby teams, national rugby team, the cricket team that I'm aware of that have that privilege. But, some, but a lot of the other codes and athletes do not have that exposure. And I think that's the main difference between us and, and the States. I, I can be wrong. I'm not sure exactly what the States, the athletes are going through. But my what I've, what I've heard of and read of is that a lot of them have the, are exposed to mental skills development, um, that they take it serious. I don't think we take it serious enough here. Yeah, I think in the U.S., um, schools, everyone really prioritizes sports and it's really like at the forefront of things. Um, everyone, usually almost all students play sports and there are definitely a lot more sports psychology consultants, coaches, organizations. So yeah, I think that'd be a big difference. Um, my last question for you would be, what is a quote that you'd like to tell everybody today and why is it important to you and what's the significance of it? My, I think my quote is quite short <laughs> and it is simple. It is just to say that attitude is a choice. It is so easy to remember that. And it doesn't matter what we go through in life. If you are at a sports event, it doesn't matter if you have relationship problems, if you, anything bad that happened to you, you always have a choice in the way that you're going to react to that. And I think sometimes we forget that because we get we get sucked into situations or we get sucked into emotions from other people that we forget where we really stand with stuff. So I think it's important to always, doesn't matter where you are at, even listening to this now, you've got a choice. Your attitude is always a choice. Um, you allow your attitude to be influenced by people or you stand your ground. And um, so, yeah, so that's a, the, the quote I always go with. It's you always have a choice into the way that you, you're going to behave.
Nice. Yeah. Short and sweet. And that's really valuable. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience about anything? I think, um, I think if you have an athlete in your life, when you're in, maybe in your home environment, it's important to try and understand what you can do to support that athlete. Everybody has different needs. And sometimes it can be just a pat on the shoulder or asking, you know, how was your training session? Or what did you do today? What are you trying to achieve this week? Um, that little bit of encouragement sometimes come, comes in the form of a question, comes in the form of just a little bit of support. And that really goes a long way, I think, for adult and children athletes is when other people also show a little bit of interest in the hard work that you are putting in to make, make a success of what you are busy with. Because it, the road can get long, um, you, you do become tired. Sometimes athletes oftentimes often ask themselves, why am I still doing this? And it's good to know that you have a good support system. Um, because if you have a good support system, then it makes life so much easier. So I would just say, um, maybe not to the athletes today, but to the people that's surrounding the athletes to keep that support going. And to the athletes out there to make sure that you have a handful of people that you can always turn to, no matter what happens in your sport career and say, you know what, this is what happened. What do you think? Have some, get some good constructive feedback, not people that tear you down because that makes practice and training so much harder. So I think that's uh, my two cents for, for people out there today. Perfect. Thank you for all your insights advice and um, comments on everything and I really liked all your answers um, it was great to have a chess player someone super experienced in that field to talk about sports psychology and I think you're super accomplished like writing a book um, playing chess tournaments around the world and getting that award so thanks Denise thank you Brandon for having me and um, good luck also with the work that you do I think you are reaching a lot of athletes and it's really good for them to actually have a resource like you are providing for them mm -hmm. to learn from yeah. absolutely thank you again thanks for listening to the my design sports podcast before you leave please show some love for the podcast by subscribing liking and commenting stay tuned for next month's podcast with a new guest speaker